Welcome to Together We Grow, our podcast at Mercy Connect. Join us as we explore the world of disability, interviewing guests who share their story and insights on their experience with disability. Hi, it's Trent Dean here and welcome to this first episode of Together We Grow. Sponsored by Mercy Connect, this podcast series will explore a range of contemporary issues and trends impacting people with disability and those working within the disability sector. We'd like to also acknowledge that the podcast series has received funding and support from the Albury City Council Community and Cultural Grant Program, and I'd like to express appreciation to 2AY for providing access to their studios for the production of these podcasts. And with each episode, I will be joined by one or more guests who will kindly share their thoughts and experiences of disability, either as someone who has a disability or who may be supporting someone with disability through their role as a carer or an advocate. Now, to kick things off today, I'm very pleased to introduce Dr. Matthew Taylor, who is the Business Intelligence and Innovation Manager at Mercy Connect. Welcome, Matthew. Uh, it is great to have you here with me today. And I want to ask, how does it feel to be our first interviewee for the new podcast? No, I'm quite excited to be sharing my experiences with disability with our audience. And uh, yeah, I'm interested and excited to see how this goes. No, that's great, Matt. And uh, look, I'm really interested to hear about your professional journey and what really led you to working within the disability sector and particularly for a disability service provider? Yeah, my journey is um, quite varied. My background's in physics of all things um, with a doctorate in physics that I uh, obtained at RMIT University in Melbourne. And uh, I moved back to Albury to be closer to my family. And as part of it, we, I have a son uh, with autism and we wanted to be closer to our supports. So we moved back here and had to reinvent myself because there's not a whole lot of physics jobs in Albury. So I had a look around to see where I could apply my skills. I've got a very strong skill set in problem solving. And at the time, it was 2017, just before the rollout of the NDIS in Albury, I'd gone through the rollout of the NDIS in North East Melbourne and I thought, well, I've got experiences, I've got capability, let's see if I can find something there. And I did. So started working at uh, Interreach, um, working with LACs during the initial rollout of uh, the NDIS. And the rest is history. Amazing. And I know we're very glad to have you on board and at Mercy Connect. And you mentioned there that there was you know, some family impact uh, within the disability sector and, and personally. What would you like to share, if you're happy to, you know, some of your personal experiences with disability in your own life? Yeah, certainly. So father of a child with autism, um, we found out through a study with La Trobe University, actually, uh, when he was born, we um, were offered to sign up for a developmental study with La Trobe University. We thought, why not? My wife and I are both scientists by background, so we're all for that sort of thing. And uh, we found out through that that um, he had a developmental delay, then got diagnosed with autism. And uh, that was when a bit of a life-changing experience, as you could imagine. Mm -hmm. Never really thought that much about disability. Had other members in the extended family that did have some disability, but really didn't know what to do. So it was quite the experience, as you can imagine, a, a new Absolutely. parent with your first child and you're thinking, what does that mean for life? And um, <clears throat> so that started my journey, started my real learning journey of uh, finding out what was out there. And not long after that, the NDIS came in as well. And, and I'm fascinated as a parent myself, you know, you'd be experiencing some challenges as you alluded to there. And what's some of those key challenges you're happy to share with our listeners, uh, your families faced and how you've overcome them? Um, a lot of it's really maintaining life whilst also working with a child with a disability. It's um, a different set of challenges that you would have with a, a, a non-disabled child or a neurotypical child. And um, a lot of it is really just a different way of behaving, a different way of, a different understanding of your child. And um, 
a lot of the challenges that brings, and particularly is uh, you're working a full-time job, but you're also trying to manage providers, you're trying to manage mm-hmm. services, you're trying to manage an NDIS plan, and it can get quite challenging to juggle all that and actually maintain those connections and make sure your child's getting the therapies they need um, and working with the services that they need. And those services that you get, I mean, I'm assuming your child has some funding through the NDIS, which is the National Disability Insurance Scheme. So uh, I know probably our listeners and those that will be you know, tuning into this podcast may have some thoughts and experiences too, but I'm interested to know what, what sort of things have you experienced firsthand uh, navigating the NDIS? And, and if you're happy to share some of those thoughts and particularly um, any areas you might see for improvement as well. Um, the biggest challenges were at the very beginning. When uh, it was rolled out in Melbourne, there wasn't a lot of information around. Uh, the rollout was rushed <laughs> at that time. And uh, when we got the funding, we didn't really know what to do with it. And that was a big challenge. Um, nowadays, with being on our eighth plan, roughly, I think it is, we're a lot better at understanding what to do with the funding and how that can help my son. But the challenge we get now is actually connecting with the service. So waiting lists are probably... The biggest challenge we have so just looking for an occupational therapist or looking for a speech therapist mm. you can be on a waiting list for up to a year and that can be quite a challenge and um you'll go into your planning meeting and you're like you've got all this funding why haven't you spent it mm. it's like well we can't spend it so <laughs> you end up a little bit sort of chasing your tail a lot of callbacks and a lot of emails and just trying to set up those services and then probably the biggest challenge we have is then when you get set up the person moves on or you end up yeah. going back on a waiting list and I'm sure a lot of the listeners will have experienced that too if they have um, looked after someone on the NDIS is it's really challenging, particularly in regional areas where there just aren't that many services. So yeah. getting that connection. The, the thinning it. markets we've seen, particularly in rural and regional areas. And, and what, what sort of supports are available, you know, maybe informally or formally for yourselves? Uh, informally is family. So mm. that's, uh, like I said, uh, uh, the start is a big reason for us coming back to Albury was to have those family supports. The schools are very important. So we're very lucky to um, have a really good school that looks after our son and understands him and works really well. And he's actually excelling at school. Mm. So, you know, we're quite lucky there that we do have really strong supports. Um, other than that, it's just understanding what's available in town. And I find that's quite challenging. Um, I don't necessarily read the newspaper very often and I don't uh, look at what I guess you might call older technologies. And it's often hard to find out what's going on unless you are dredging through those sorts of articles and looking at those sorts of those sorts of items. And um, I'll often find out about an event after it's happened or mm. the event will be during the week when we're, he's at school or I'm at work or we're not available. Right. and and so on. So flexibility of services is certainly a challenge that we experience in town. Um, sounding like I'm talking negative, though, about everything, which is well, quite terrible. What, what's some of those, you know, <laughs> you, you're picking some really important points here. What, what would you say if you had a complete mouthpiece to mm-hmm. the NDIS, what would you say would be some of the top things to address or to support people better? Um, just that availability of service, you know, mm. being able to support the providers to provide the service outside of your standard nine to five mm. um, to not just focus on one or two age groups. Um, particular issues we have at the moment is the age of my son. He's in that middling, you know, becoming a teenager age, and there's not a lot in town, as an example, mm. for kids in that age. There's a lot for kids in the ECEI. Um, there's a lot for adults. But when you're in that between, it can be quite challenging to, you know, have a service or find a service outside of a support worker that, you know, will help attending events and things like those. There's no real events 
Um, well, that I've been able to find anyway. Understood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so a lot of it is, and the other side of it is that communication is getting the info out there. It's hard to find. And, and if the NDIS or the NDIA could assist in, you know, promoting events, promoting activities or promoting services, that would be quite helpful, I'd imagine. That's a great suggestion. And it does lead nicely into to your area of work that you do in the digital transformation space. And I'm wondering what sort of new innovations you've seen that you might be interested in exploring or you think it might be needed in the disability sector. Uh, so something I'm working on at Mercy Connect itself is... Uh, increasing the accessibility of uh, computers and everything relating to computers. So built a very, very small computer lab with some donated equipment that we received from Ideas and a few participants have been working with it and it's going really well. Some of those participants have gone and bought their own computers hmm. you know, from the program and it was just happened on luck more than anything. Ideas said, we've got this equipment, do you want it? I thought, why not? You know, and right. we put together this program and we're already moving the program into looking at assistive technology and um, understanding what's out there to help people who have mobility issues um, and may not be able to use a mouse and keyboard. So how can we engage those mm. participants with uh, a computer? And we've got things like tablets. Um, we're looking at adaptive controllers and other items to see what we can do. So I'm quite excited by what technology can bring um, for people with disability. You've got you know, automated autopilot cars is an example that can open up amazing things for someone with a disability who couldn't drive otherwise. Yeah. Or yeah. couldn't access a location. If you've got a car that you can roll your wheelchair in and basically type in and, or utilize a communicative device to say, I want to go to the shops, it takes you there. How amazing would that be? That'd be fantastic. Yeah. You know, there's other technologies like that where you're not reliant on mobility of your hand or um, you can use speech, you know, you can use actions of your head to make your house lights turn on, as an example, to open the door for you when you get home, to turn your heater on, change your air conditioner. There's all these technologies out there which are becoming more prevalent in society, but I don't think we've really looked at them from a disability point of view and where we they can enhance a person's life where otherwise they might not be able to even change their air conditioner. Yeah, that's a really good point that, you know, with co-design and partnering people with disability, there can be great innovation that yeah. I hadn't even tapped into. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's fantastic, Matthew. And um, I, I wanted to really understand, I guess, you know, you, with your lived experience and the work that you do, what would be some of the things you would really wish the general public would better understand about disability, perhaps? Um, I think the understanding that disability does not mean you can't do things. You know, it does put challenges in front of the person with a disability, but given tools or abilities to get over those challenges... You can do almost anything um, and you can be quite surprised that of what can be achieved with just working together, like you said, co-design or working with therapists or working you know, with the person themselves that generally they're very capable, you know, people with disability and you can be really surprised. And I find that to me is something that I've learned as I've started working in the disability industry um, is just that ability, you know, for people to actually achieve things when they're given that help. When they're, when they're given those tools. And that's something that I think society at large is getting better at. We're getting more understanding of it. We're seeing more disability in life, um, in the public. And, and when you look at the statistics, because that's part of what I do, I'm a very data-focused person, mm. roughly one in five people are living with a disability. So there's odds on bet that you know someone. Mm. You know, and being aware of what that disability is and what it means and how you can work with a person with a disability um, really makes a difference to life. And personally, I love helping people, and that's why I work at Mercy Connect. 
And I get a bit of a buzz when I do something like that computer lab and I see people embracing it and learning new skills and opening up new possibilities for their lives. Oh, Matthew, look, I really appreciate what you've shared, particularly on that. It really talks about reducing that stigma, creating that accessibility and, and familiarity uh, with disability because it is, as you say, one in five people in Australia does have a disability. Um, but unfortunately, like, we have a, a short period of time to talk today and that time has come to an end. And I would really like to thank you for being our guest today, particularly this is our first episode of Together We Grow. I think everyone uh, who's following this interview will have absolutely appreciated the uh, personal stories and, and the insights that you've shared. And uh, it's fair to say that Mercy Connect is very fortunate to have someone of your, uh, not only technical skills, but most importantly, your uh, personal and professional commitment uh, to supporting those in need to live fulfilled lives. Excellent. Thank you, Trent. Oh, that's great. And I'd like to thank everyone else who has downloaded or is streaming this first episode. And as Catherine McCauley, the founder of the Sisters of Mercy, once said, a good beginning is of great importance. And with those wise words, I do hope that you will join me for future episodes as we continue to hear stories and shared learnings and experiences from people with disability and those that support them. Remember that it's together, and only together, that we grow. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Together We Grow. For more information, check out our website, mercyconnect.org.au.